and welcome back to Mr. Wright. This episode, I'm not reading anything because the last two episodes have been me reading 700 Degrees Part 1 and Part 2. This episode is the me talking about the pieces. Mostly it's going to be about how to start a longer form piece, not a short story, which would be on average about six to eight pages. Not poetry, nothing like that. So when I started writing 700 Degrees, and this will be kind of a very loose episode, being that I wrote 700 Degrees years ago. When I look at writing um, a novel, um, a novella, um, a longer story, um, something like 700 Degrees, which would be considered a novella, uh, it was approximately about 70, 80 pages. I start with, obviously, the germ of the idea. I like the idea of someone who was stabbing himself with cigarettes to stay awake and ends up becoming addicted to the endorphin rush of starting fires. Um, I thought I would tweak it with like a classic boy meets girl cliched uh, plot, um, but that it turns out she's this pyromaniac, and then the twist uh, that it was his actual long-lost sister kind of came about very organically um, when I was writing the outline, and that's what this is going to be about, writing outlines and making detailed notes. I'm going to talk about 700 Degrees, uh, as well as Fear Agents, which I will explain what Fear Agents is later on. So I start with the germ of the idea. Um, I do a very loose outline, usually hitting major beats. In 700 Degrees, the beats would have been introducing the characters, a little bit of the exposition of how he got to be the way he is, um, introducing the foil, which would be uh, Beth, uh, his sister-slash-girlfriend, and how the revelation would come to be, the growth of their characters uh, culminating in the faithful family dinner where uh, Michael Juno, the main character, realizes what's going on around him. And then uh, kind of the way it would end for about a 70 page. The outline wasn't incredibly detailed. Like I said, it was probably six to eight bullet points. Um, but then I added more detailed notes. Um, I wanted, you know, the, the Beth's dad to be a certain type with a booming voice and a big guy, and I wanted to be very intimidating because I wanted Juno to actually be afraid to tell him, but then grow and be able to confront him. I had to rework some of the detailed notes based on um, the age of Michael Juno and the age of Bethany Staples. It was one of those I had to figure out, okay, when does Michael's mom leave? When does she hook up with a lesbian? When does she meet Tony and have Beth? Um, so the detailed notes were in terms of that specific timeline, as well as figuring out, you know, how much, quote-unquote, dead time before they meet is, like, you know, uh, with, with the father, the estranged father um, character, stuff like that. Which, if you go back and listen to the episode um, Hero Worship, where I read Three Sons, the father is very similar. Kind of a weird theme on that one. So, I mean, I always start with my longer form ideas. I always start off with... The Dream of the Idea outline, I make as detailed notes as I possibly can. I tend not to write super organically. Uh, I know some people can do that. I can't. I'm very structure-based. I'm like that personally in my, in my life. So in my writing, I tend to build the structure. You heard me talk a little bit about that in the poetry episode, accidentally on purpose. So I tend to start with that. When I was writing um, my first novel... Uh, strangest Kindness. 
huge amounts of notes. I had extremely detailed notes on each character. I had um, done a timeline and an outline. I knew exactly really where it was going to go for the most part. I mean, I knew, you know, certain characters would die. I didn't know how they would die, but I knew I needed them to die to progress either the story or a character arc. There, you know, once again, the longer the piece, I think the more detailed and structured your kind of work, uh, pre-workout, your pre-game should be on it. Once again, it's me personally. A lot of people can just go, I have a germ of an idea, and I'm just going to go with it. I've done that. Sometimes I can stay on the rails. Sometimes I go way off the rails and you end up with a half-finished piece because I lose it halfway through. I'm actually going to be having an episode about that um, in the next month or so um, where I'll be reading a, a piece that you can tell it ends, but you can tell that I wanted to go farther and I just wanted to write the thing organically and as an experiment and it didn't work out because, like I said, I'm very structure-based. Now, Fear Agents, which originally started as an idea for a comic book that we, the network, was going to turn into a podcast, which I was not happy with after the first two episodes. Uh, they never saw the light of day, but I, I just wasn't happy with what was how to make it work. I didn't have the time or money to make it what I wanted to be, um, so I put it on a back burner, and then the CEOs of the company and I sat down and we decided we would start work on what we think is the first ever um, novel written interactively on social media. Um, so it'll be written via Facebook, Instagram, and it will have an audio podcast component about once a month. And I'll be working on that steadily as all of these shows keep coming out. But in terms of how detailed um, I got with Fear Agents, which I don't remember the original name of... Um, the original comic, uh, it was going to be a um, ongoing comic book series that was launched out of a um, trilogy of, of miniseries that I'd written. And I think Deb found my notebook on that. I think it was how it got brought up. And I have, I had like a, just a regular, you know, like Mead notebook, but every page was filled up with a flow chart showing timelines of the miniseries leading into the ongoing and extremely detailed notes on each character and Fear Agents was an ensemble piece but it all tied back into like I said these three three issue miniseries so I had notes about a character named Blitz um the uh there was the one that was going to lead into Fear Agents was called uh the Pandora Legacy there was there were I mean just notes timelines flow charts ongoing I mean just it looked like it it looked like the like the ramblings of a mental patient and Deb was just fascinated by like how structured and how I built this world in a notebook um, and not done anything with it. So that's how it started as maybe we should be doing something with this. And with Fear Agents, I have... It starts off very loose because I was trying to transcribe some of the notebook stuff onto a, a text edit note to start writing Fear Agents. And I realized as how we're going to write it with, you know, using social media, um, I can't have extremely detailed notes in terms of the plot because it's going to be interactive. It's going to be people jumping in, changing which way it's going to go, changing certain characters um, and what they do. Um, I know the end-all be-all of how it's going to be from point A to point Z, but there's a, a lot of wiggle room there. So uh, it's actually a looser form of outlining and detailing. Um, I still have the, the intricate plot notes in terms of where I need it to go, 
but I've marked like there's wiggle room here, there's wiggle room here. I'm not gonna prepare myself for where it could go based on the interactive capacity um, facet of it. I think you know I, I'm, it'd be stupid for me to a try to guess that and uh, b I would love to write those spontaneously and organically and see what happens and how it changes the story in terms of other people's input. Um, it'll eventually see actual published light uh, when it's said and done. But I do want to have the structure of at least the first quote-unquote three chapters ready and outlined as well as I can so that I'm prepared for, okay, here's where we can in, uh, inject the interactive aspect. Here's where I need it to go for the first couple chapters just to build the world and set everything up and get people interested. So... I'm loosening up a bit of the uh, quote-unquote control, the hand-in-the-glove aspect of it, but I still have incredibly detailed notes about it. I wish I could share some with you, but I mean, they're not really ready to be read at this point. It's a lot of just kind of typed chicken scratch, so to speak, a lot of shorthand. So that uh, is how I start writing. Um, like I said, there's the opposite side of that, organic. If it works for you, it works for you. I find, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll just run off the rails um, because the ideas just keep coming, 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 or I think of something else to do, and I just kind of write myself into a corner and then go, okay, well, that was that. But I look at outlines as kind of a puzzle. How do I get from point A to point B to point C, so forth, so on. I look at it as a, maybe not equation um, or a formula. It sounds like it's literally formulaic. But like I said, I look at it as a puzzle, and the outline is just as fun for me to write as the whole piece, you know, because I've got guy does thing, and when I'm actually writing it, it's like, well, what does guy say when he's doing thing? And I think of, you know, I what I think of as, you know, great dialogue or, or moving exposition, which is always a lot of fun. You know, um, in my first novel, I'd never really thought of describing the main character, Dante's parents, a great deal, and the exposition that came out on his parents being these famous um, counterculture... Um, occult mediums uh, was something I, I didn't think of until I was writing it organically in the moment. So like I said, I can, I can write organically, but it's got to be between the bullet points um, so that I know, you know, it's like I have the box, but what different things can I fit into the box um, in terms of borders and boundaries, you know, and keeping with, once again, like timeline, chronology, you know, when this is happening, is something overlapping it? it does that conflict with what's going on is the character acting differently at the beginning than he is at the end or the middle is it something contradictory where he shouldn't be acting that way or is that some part of character growth that either happened um in the outline or organically you know kind of quote-unquote between the bullet points who knows well i do and you should so you know be aware of what kind of writer you can be in terms of setting up do you just shoot from the hip, and that works for you. Uh, if it doesn't, if you have a bunch of half-finished pieces or you find yourself painting yourself into a corner, writing yourself into a corner, and I don't mean writer's block, I mean you're like, oh, shit, uh, where, do I, where do I go from here? I've, you know, kind of just screwed up. Maybe you need to start looking at building an outline. Um, and an outline, I write, I don't write the whole thing right away. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it takes me days, weeks, to put together the outline and think of the whole story. Like I said, there are fun little catalysts where, you know, one thing pops and you'd never thought of it. Um, the happy accidents, I call them. Uh, one 
that I've talked about before uh, was that in in Strangest Kindness, I was just picking words to describe, uh, not describe the characters, but have their names. And I knew I wanted the bad guy, the one of the one of the antagonists, um, to be called Mister Sunshine because I wanted to be really evil but have a bright name. And uh, one of the other antagonists um, that my protagonist uh, Dante Kindness's cop between is is Mister Sunshine and Mister Rain. Mister Rain was actually a name I'd thought of from a, a a different thing I'd written called Graveyard Tarot, um, where all these people kind of had uh, nature based names. But I had given um, an early copy of, of Dante to a friend, and when they read it, they went, it's so funny that he's literally caught between, like, sunshine and rain, like, you know, the the, the weather extremes. And I went, I, I never meant to do that. It was just, you know, I had Mr. Rain and I had Mr. Sunshine and didn't think, oh, there's a happy accident there that their names kind of work that way. Um, you know, and building a little bit more of the background of Mr. Rain and Mr. Sunshine into the story, I... Didn't have any detailed notes on them. I had him. I had him on Sunshine. Uh, Raina did not. So when I kind of came to one of the face-offs with Mister Rain, and I kind of had carte blanche um, on this blank slate that I could just write in his background and have a lot of fun with it because I had not thought of it before. I wasn't pigeonholing myself. So I mean, you can you know get caught in your outline and go, oh, it's got to be this, 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 this. It's not necessarily true. Um, I'd say have some fun, you know, like I said, between the lines. Um, but having an outline definitely helps. Having detailed notes on characters definitely help. Um, even if you don't have character arcs, character growth written, that might come organically. But having an outline, uh, especially uh, in terms of a novel or, or a long, long-form piece, I highly recommend. It's another tool in the toolbox, along with all the other tools um, I've talked about on this show for the last, you know, 19 episodes. Just something else to consider when you're sitting down to write. And speaking of write, this has been Mr. Write. Remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Write on. Oh, yeah. This has been a Blood Alcohol Content Network production. For more information, visit www.bacnpodcast.com. Your home for almost bacon and banjo!